Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi, and welcome to Land Grant Hoyland Uncut. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we bring you uncut audio from press conferences and interview sessions with Ohio State players, coaches, and sometimes various and sundry other figures from the sporting world. On today's episode, we do have some of those various and sundry other figures from the sporting world, as the press conference audio that you will hear today comes from Tuesday's press conference, in which the president and CEO of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Gary Stoken, officially invited Gene Smith and head coach Ryan Day to come to the Peach Bowl. I don't know why that was necessarily necessary, considering that it's a college football playoff game. They're going no matter what, whether you extended a formal invitation or not. Nonetheless, we hear from Mr. Stoken, then Gene Smith, and Ryan Day as well. In addition to all of the Peach Bowl festivities, Ryan Day answered questions from the assembled Buckeye media as well. Now, before we get into the audio, if you're finding this episode on our website, LandGrantHolyLand.com, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you can get all the unique, varied perspectives that you will only hear from Land Grant Holy Land. We are giving you a different podcast episode, at least one every day, and in many cases, two, as we lead up to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And of course, now that the men's and women's basketball teams have tipped off their seasons, we have a ton of basketball audio as well. So now that we've got that out of the way, you will hear first from Gary Stoken from the Peach Bowl. You will then hear from Gene Smith. Then after a short break, we will get into the question and answer period with Ryan Day. With that, I'd like to introduce Gary Stoken, president and CEO of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Jerry's got that Chick-fil-A down, doesn't he? You can tell he's ready to eat some Chick-fil-A. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate it. I've talked to some of you over the last, I guess, month and look forward to personally meeting you. And anything we can do to help over the next three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, please let us know. And we mean that seriously. We're not just saying that. We believe in Southern hospitality and we want to make sure that you guys have what you need to do your jobs. We're all partners in this. We're all part of the family now. So anything we can do to help you, let us know. Um, I want to start first to congratulate Gene Smith and Coach Day, uh, the staff, the team, the Buckeye administration uh, for a very successful season. Uh, to be in the CFP playoffs and finish number four in the country is a remarkable achievement. I also want a special mention to the five All-Americans uh, on Ohio State. Great accomplishment they had this year. Um, we're really excited about this. We We've had to add 2,000 seats to standing room only. Uh, 
we will probably break the Super Bowl and our record in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, we got the tickets to Ohio State on Monday, and they sold out Wednesday, which may be a record for us of any of our uh, nine years being in the CFP. So congratulations there. Um, obviously, this is the first trip for Ohio State in our 55 years to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And uh, Gene and I talked at the Wisconsin game, hoping this would be the case, and Gene prognosticated correctly. So we're, we're glad to host uh, Ohio State for the first time uh, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Um, you know, a lot of people have ranked this, this uh, bowl as the number one bowl in the country this year with the great matchup we have with number one and number four. Game day coming to Atlanta, obviously the 8 o'clock time slot. And so we're excited about that. Um, tell you a little bit about the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Obviously, we're December 31st, 8 o'clock, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which I think is the best stadium in the country. Great sight lines, great fan uh, experience, and I think you guys will really enjoy Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We'll be hosting not only uh, the CFP semifinal this year, but we'll host again in 2025 the semifinal, and in January of 25, we'll host the national championship of the CFP again in Atlanta and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Reason a lot of people call us the capital of college football in Atlanta with having the great uh, matchups that we have, uh, as well as having the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, which uh, you guys should mark down that December 29th in the College Football Hall of Fame, we'll have our media day uh, for, for the teams, uh, which will be a great experience for you guys to see the Hall of Fame itself and then do some work in there as well. We'll also host you December 30th at a media party, which Matt will, uh, Matt will pay for out of his own pocket. So don't expect too much there uh, for that. Um, uh, we are uh, known as one of the most competitive bowl games in the country. 53% of our games have been decided by a touchdown or less. We've had some great matchups. We've sold out 22 of the last 24 Chick-fil-A Peach Bowls, and this will be another one. As I mentioned, we've added 2,000 standing room only, and we'll probably be somewhere 78, 79,000 for this game. Um, the other thing I'll mention is that uh, we'll pay the team $6 million each, $2 million for travel, $4 million uh, uh, for the game itself, and, and $2 million for their travel expenses. A little bit about us. We are known as the most charitable bowl organization in the country. We were started, unlike other bowl games, in 1968 as a bowl for charity. And we've kept that in our mission. We've given, uh, we've given uh, $60.9 million uh, back to charities since 2002, which is a record by far over every other bowl game in the country. And that's important to us. I'm proud to announce that today that we're going to give $100,000 to Ohio State to endow a scholarship. Uh, $50,000 from the Peach Bowl and $50,000 from Chick-fil-A. It'll be part of our $8.7 million at 34 universities throughout the country that we've already endowed scholarships. Uh, Ohio State will be that 34th university, and uh, we're, we're proud to do that, happy to do that. Uh, and it's part of our John Lewis uh, Legacy of Courage scholarship program where kids from Title I schools uh, in Atlanta or Georgia if they apply to, in this case, Ohio State, they would get the opportunity to get that endowed scholarship money. Uh, just this year, we, we gave over $293,000 out to 16 students 
around the country in that endowed scholarship program. Um, uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, our Bull Week experience after we show the video, but uh, before I do that, I, I want to do something official, I guess, and I hope he accepts, but I, I want to officially uh, invite uh, Gene Smith and the Ohio State Buckeyes to the 55th Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CFP semifinal game at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So I hope you'll accept this, Gene. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Look Thank forward to hosting so you. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank you, Gene. It. These guys are excited. I'll let you take over now. Right. Well, thank you, Gary. Thank you. I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, first of all, thank you and thank David and Matt for being here. We really appreciate you coming uh, to Columbus and, and sharing this and, and offering a formal invitation. But let me also thank you for the charitable work that, that you do uh, through your bowl, the, the Chick-fil-A Bowl. Uh, Peach Bowl has always been known for its great charity and its impact on young people in, in its community. So, so thank you so much. Uh, we're excited uh, about the opportunity, uh, just as you and I talked, uh, Gary, and earlier in the year. Uh, it's, it's a place that we haven't been and a place we wanted to go, a place that we felt our fans uh, could get to uh, pretty easily uh, on the East Coast in particular, and then uh, that's playing out exceptionally well, which is why you had to add two more thousand seats. Uh, but you know, we're excited about it, and our players are excited about it, and we're looking forward to have the opportunity to be in, in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, we have not competed in that stadium, so it's going to be a, a great experience for all of us, including our, our media friends, and so we're excited to see that. Um, thank you so much. Look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with you. I'm going to turn it over to Coach Day, and uh, he can chat a little bit about uh, the excitement that we have. Thanks, Gene. Uh, Gary, Dave, um, Matt, thank you very much. Um, it's an honor uh, to be invited to go to the Peach Bowl. And uh, our team is extremely excited about the opportunity, as you can imagine. Um, we've heard such wonderful things about the Peach Bowl over the years and really looking forward to going down there and spending a great week in Atlanta. Um, you know, Atlanta has been a, a wonderful place for us in recruiting. Um, we have such great Buckeye fans in that area. And I know there's so much, so much excitement uh, for us to get down in there, and um, you know can't even imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like um, at eight o'clock when the foot hits the ball against the Bulldogs. So um, again, our guys are working hard. Uh, I can promise you that we're finishing up finals. We've already had really a couple good weeks of work, and then as we head into Christmas here, and then make our trip down to Atlanta, um, you know our guys are going to be really excited to get down there and spend a week with everybody, and certainly with the events and everything that comes with it. So. Um, I, would you say 55 years? First time um, Ohio State will be in the Peach Bowl. So honored to be a part of this and looking forward to a great week. So thank you. Thank you, Coach. All right, so we got a great week planned for all the players. And we said this is a reward for the players. They're the ones that work their butts off in the, uh, in the winter, spring, then camp in the summer, and then play the season. So we've always made that our mantra to uh, make sure this is a reward for the players. There's a couple things just to talk about the game and then about our live, laugh, and learn theme. One is uh, styles make fights, and to have the number two scoring offense and number 13 scoring defense play against the number two scoring defense and the number 11 scoring offense makes for a great fight. This is going to be a, a true war and a battle and a lot of fireworks in, in New Year's Eve in Atlanta. Um, the second thing I'd like to say is, you know, the, uh, the interesting thing that's happened in the CFP uh, we've seen it. In 2017, we had Alabama open against Florida State in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Number one against number three, Alabama wins the game. 
does not win the SEC, didn't win their conference, but got into the playoff because they played a tough non-conference schedule and they won a national championship that year. Fast forward to 2021, and uh, Georgia opens with Clemson, top five team in the country, beats Clemson, goes on, does not win the SEC, wins the national championship that year. So there's a path, there's a road that this has been done before, and Ohio State has that opportunity. So it's a, it's a great chance for Ohio State to get healthy, Ohio State to get the opportunity to play uh, in a, in a big-time game and a big-time win to go on to play in a bigger game in the national championship game. So just a little history there. Um, lastly, talking about our Bull Week, you know, we talked about live, laugh, and learn. It's important to us for the kids as a reward for the players to live. We want them to stay in a great hotel, get great gifts, eat great food like Chick-fil-A, uh, and then we want them to laugh. So our battle for Bull Week, you know, all kids want to do during the week is compete. It doesn't matter what it is. They want to compete against each other, and we, we put them against the other team. So we have our, our battle for Bull Week, uh, and, and every night we'll give that belt out, and then you, when you have to give it back the next day, and then we have another competition, you win the, the belt again, and then at the end of the week we give the belt to whoever cumulative is the winner. Um, and the last thing I guess I want to talk about is, is learn. You know, we're in college education here. And so we want these kids to, to learn how to give back during that time of the year, which is tough for kids in children's health care. Um, we've recently donated $20 million to Children's Health Care of Atlanta to find cures and trials to eradicate childhood cancer. Uh, we have seven trials now uh, with 12 kids in those trials, um, hopefully finding a cure or something that will give a kid another day, another year, or hopefully the rest of his life to live. And, and we're using football to make all these things happen. So we want the kids, uh, I call them kids, the student athletes to understand that. And so we'll take them into children's health care where those kids over Christmas, they didn't get out of the hospital and they're never going to get out of the hospital. So for the coaches and, and for the uh, student athletes to give back during that time to the families, to the kids is awfully important. It's a great learning experience to give back during the holidays, obviously. And then lastly, we do something that you're not supposed to do in bowl games. You're not supposed to put both teams together. What we do is take both teams together, seat them next to each other in the pews of Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Dr. King was the pastor and actually spoke from the pulpit. And his, his mother was shot and killed in Ebenezer Baptist Church. And uh, we put both teams together, and we're blessed that we're going to have Ambassador Andy Young who was one of the top eight people with Dr. King during the Civil Rights Movement, and Bill Curry, who played for Vince Lombardi, played for Don Shula, and has a book out. If, you, if you're a book reader, it's a great read, Ten Men in a Huddle. And it talks about how a kid from Compton, a black kid from L.A., and a, and a white kid from the hills of North Carolina, and a Jew, and a Christian, and a Catholic, you know, can all be in that huddle together. And none of that stuff matters. They're a team. It's about togetherness. It's about unity. It's about teamwork. And so we're going to have a history lesson, basically a living history lesson, because these kids weren't around when Dr. King and Andy Young uh, went through some of the things they went through. And so it's an actual uh, history lesson that they'll learn from Ambassador Young and Bill Curry talking about uh, some subject matters. And then it'll basically be an interaction between the players as well. So that's, that's part of our learn process. 
and then we'll kick off our game. So it'll be a great week. We welcome you all to Atlanta. And uh, let me turn it over to uh, to Jerry again. Well, I tell you real quick, if anybody, we'll, we'll make Jerry available after Coach Day is done. If anybody has any questions for Gary before we move on, we can take those now. Yes, sir. This is uh, Brendan Gulick with Sports Illustrated Media Group, Buckeyes Now. I just want to ask about the scholarship. Um, is, that, is that for Ohio State student-athlete? Is it for the football team specifically? How does that work? Yeah, we'll endow the scholarship with the Ohio State University, and it will be for regular students that are from Atlanta, Title I. And Title I is, is kids that are, you know, underprivileged. That uh, A lot of these kids that we saw this year and in, in the past – they, they've had no one in their family has ever gone to college. And so to give these kids, and we're throwing off some money like Clemson's, like $25,000 a year. You know, it's meaningful money to these kids to be able to get their education. So that'll be for the Ohio State, the general population of students that come to Ohio State from Atlanta, Title I high schools, or Georgia high schools. Does that answer your question? Yep. You mentioned the, yes, sir. the Ohio State tickets sold out so quickly. What's the allotment? What's the breakdown of how the tickets Yeah, are sure. Good question. Uh, 13,000 uh, tickets go to Ohio State and to Georgia. Uh, 500 of those are for the band. And so 12.5 is the allotment for each team. We sold out in July of this year. Um, you know, we have great fans in Atlanta. So obviously the secondary market is is active. Um, but, you know, haven't seen in 20, my 25 years running the bowl, Ohio State fans, the way they travel, and knowing the large contingent that's in Georgia and Atlanta of Ohio State and the Southeast, you know, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of Buckeyes in that stadium and, and around the stadium as well. Tony? Yes, sir. Could you just clarify what you said at the beginning about the addition of seats? How many seats are you adding? And then you mentioned it might eclipse. Uh, maybe yeah, we had, uh, Matt will correct me, I know, we had like 78,000 for the LSU-Oklahoma game the last time we had number one, number four in our CFP semifinal in 2019. Um, the way Mercedes-Benz is structured, it's built so they have expandable seats in both sidelines and one of the end zones. And, and you use those seats for Super Bowls, Final Fours, uh, big games like ours. So we've we've taken those expandable seats, added those, and we've added another 2,000 standing room only above that. We'll be right at, you know, 78,000. Uh, and, and the way tickets are going, believe me, I've, I've let a, a list as long as my arm know that I don't have any tickets. So uh, I'm a bad guy right now. But as you know, in tickets you can't win. Um, but it's a good problem to have, obviously. So it's going to be a great crowd, a record crowd, and I think a, a super game with the two teams that we have. Tony? Yes, sir. I, I know this might be a, an easy answer to this, but why don't you think there are major why – why isn't there a major bowl game in the North or in the Midwest? That's an interesting question. I had never thought about that. Um, you know, I used to run the Atlanta Sports Council as well as the Peach Bowl. And, um, you know, I don't see any reason why they're – there can't be, you know, with some of the facilities you have, you know, and I'm thinking indoor now because we're indoor in Minnesota and in Indianapolis, um, Detroit. You know, I know the guys that run those sports councils and they do a great job and they're getting final four. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, somebody wanting to do it, really.
someone committing to do it and making it happen. Well, it's not work to me. I mean, I'm blessed. I, you know, I've been in sports 44 years, so I've I've been blessed not to work a day in my life. Um, and I like challenges, so you know, it it wouldn't be work to me. It'd be a great challenge and great opportunity, I think, more than anything else. Because what you have in the Big Ten and what you're going to now gain with USC and UCLA potentially, um, and let alone all the schools that you know you have in the Northeast and even in the South. I mean. There's no reason why there shouldn't be a big game in the Midwest. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, we've got about 20 minutes with uh, with Coach Dave. We'll open it up, uh, second row middle, Nathan Baird, Cleveland.com. Ryan, it's our first chance to talk to you since uh, Kevin's decision to go to Tulsa. So most directly, how does that affect the staff preparation for the bowl? And then what are you thinking as the next step for you as far as replacing that position? Yeah, so we'll um, we'll kind of cross that bridge after the season. We're going to just focus on right now. Uh, but but Kevin, um, you know, we, we sat down and talked about this as uh, we knew it was a possibility is that, you know, he's going to continue to coach throughout the bowl game. Um, he's been doing a great job of that. He's got a um, you know, working 24 hours a day right now, but uh, he's keeping, you know, certainly Ohio State in, in our, our um, you know, path to the national championship first and foremost in his mind. And then, and then he's, you know, obviously got a lot going on planning ahead at Tulsa, but um, he's been at practices. He's going to be here again this weekend. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's a challenge when you have to kind of juggle both things, but, but he's going to make sure that uh, he does everything he can to help us win this. Widely out there that Keenan would be the guy that you're looking to replace. That that'd be. What can you say about him and just how he fits into what you're doing now? I guess heading into the bowl game. Yeah, we're not going to do anything formal till after the after the season. But um, but I can say this that uh, you know Keenan Bailey is just uh, he's an excellent coach. Um, he's a really sharp young man who's going to do uh, unbelievable things in his career. And uh, the racially relationships he's built over time uh, with you know former players, current players, uh, recruits, and family has been excellent. And um, you know Keenan's turned down a lot of opportunities to go other places over the last couple of years, and he's st- stayed here and been a huge help. So um, he's got a very bright future out of him. Fourth row left, uh, Jacob Bench, the Landry. Hey, Ryan, you mentioned how just with your team now in the CFP, it's like a second chance on the season. And now with a week uh, for it to set in and to be around the team, just how much more real has that realization become in your preparation for George? Yeah, inside of three weeks now, um, 
we talked about it uh, going into that um, that final weekend, and then coming out of it, um, you know, just a refocus. And um, I think our practices have been spirited so far. I think the guys have uh, really had good urgency about them. I think they 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 have a good feel for what this is going to be like, um, and just the electricity and how important every play is going to be into this game. So um, we're still in the fundamental phase. We're going to start making the transition into game planning here soon. And then we get down to, to bowl week. So we have three phases when we walk talk about bowl practice. But, um, you know, the, the energy has been, been really, really good. And, and guys are finishing up finals now. And, and now it's just going to be all football. Far left, Jared Smalley, WCMH. Hi, Ryan. When you, now that you've had time to evaluate, I know you haven't had a lot of time, but you've had time to evaluate Georgia. You look at them offensively, and it's an interesting group, right? Because it's not a group that's loaded with superstars at receiver and a superstar running back, but they have extraordinary depth at tight end. And they have a, as veteran a quarterback as you can have in the college game. I'm just wondering how you evaluate them offensively and their unique nature as an offense. Yeah, I think they do a great job of playing off the defense and special teams. All three are, um, you know, put together really well. But specifically on offense, you know, I think, um, you know, Bennett kind of, is is the one that gets it all going, and, and certainly they have talent all across the board. Their offensive line's big. Both tight ends are very, very talented. Um, you know, running backs are very good. Receivers are, are very good. Um, but you know, it's it's the quarterback that makes it all go, and um, he's played unbelievable. Deserved certainly an opportunity to be down in New York City on Saturday night. Um, and what an unbelievable story of somebody that uh, you know came through a lot of adversity along the way in his journey to get to where he's at. So. Um, you know, from afar, it's been it's been a joy to watch him to compete, and um, and so yeah, I, I think they do uh, multiple things. They're they're creative in how they do them, and um, you know they're certainly playing good football here down the stretch. Second row left, Steve Hellway in twenty four seven sports. Yeah, coach, this hadn't come up. I don't think either after the game or last Sunday, but uh, Dallin Hayden, uh, he had two one hundred yard games, and then went into the Michigan game. He really only had two carries. Chip Trianum who hadn't carried the ball all season, gets the opportunity just in hindsight. Could that situation have been different? What what held Dallin back from not playing in that game, I guess? Yeah, um, you know, just kind of the flow of the game. And, and Tony, you know, makes that decision based on how things are going. And um, I thought in the game that Chip ran well. I thought he did some really good things, for, especially for his first game, getting put into that environment. So, um, you know, certainly looking forward to getting some health back in that room. But but uh, but Dallin's going to be a big part of this bowl game. Is he looking okay to be able to, to go? Maybe. Yeah, everybody's you know f- you know for the most part everybody's healing up. So um, good to get everybody back on the field. Third row left, Dan Hope, eleven Warriors. Ryan, how are you kind of balancing it right now with everything that's going on with the transfer portal and obviously recruiting early signing period next week? Like, how are you balancing kind of maybe evaluating potential additions for your team while also preparing for a bowl? Game? Just don't sleep. That's it. You just don't. You're not allowed to sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to practice today and then be on a plane for the next two days and come back for practice Thursday. So we'll, it's just that's that's December. Uh, I was laughing with somebody growing up. You know, when you hear the month of December, you think about Christmas and holiday times and everything else. And when I think of December, I think about bowl practice, uh, think about recruiting, think about home visits, think about transfer portal, think about all these different things. And it's a, uh, you know, with the early signing period, obviously, that changed a few years ago that everything got sped up here. Um but that's uh, that's December in big time football, and um, our guys are working really, really hard. And 
um, don't get a chance to see your family very much this time of year, but that's that's part of it. And that's what you want to be. You want to be in the CFP this time of year. You want to be involved with great recruits. You want to have all this stuff going on, and that's that's exciting. So it's energizing because you know obviously you're relevant this time of year, and you're involved in some great recruits, and, and you're swinging as hard as you can. So um, this is exactly the way you want it, even though sometimes you wake up with not a lot of sleep. For roster construction for next year, what maybe do you look at is what you guys might need to do in the transfer portal? We look at everything, and, it, and it's constantly changing. You know, uh, trying to do the best we can. Certainly for us, um, I think we've done a really good job of identifying the right fit here. It's very difficult to just walk into Ohio State in our culture and just walk onto the field because there's a lot of pride here, and guys have to earn their right to get on the field. So, um, you know, certainly if, if there's something that we can do in terms of upgrade in, in a certain position, we'll always do that. That's our job. But we'll also take into consideration the right culture fit, the right fit for them, the expectation. You know. Um, if somebody comes into the program, they know they're going to have to earn their right to get on the field. You know, we're not just going to guarantee when you come here, you're going to do this, you're going to get this many touches, or you're going to start the minute you walk into that that locker room. You know, I don't know how folks do that and then look at the players currently on their roster and say, I just guaranteed someone to come in and be a starter. You know, and so uh, we take all those things into consideration. But as you know, we we have add, added guys, and I think we've done a really good job of being thoughtful in those areas. But um, you know, certainly the the transfer portal has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. It's become like free agency, so it's something that you know, we're going to be a part of. Uh, front row, Bill Rabinowitz, Columbus Dispatch. Ryan, how has NIL, which now people have gotten used to and are exploiting it, yep. uh, how has that changed recruiting, especially as we get down to the stretch? And, and Gene has talked about how it's the wild, wild west. And, I mean, how, how different is it and how, how scary is it? You could have commitments and maybe you don't. Um, it's become, you know, I think it was, it was uh, never part of the conversation. Then it became part of the conversation, and uh, it's trending towards being the conversation for a lot of folks. So, um, just um, as as time has gone on, it's become more and more of a priority for for folks. And so, um, you know, navigating those times and adapting is is important. You guys put out a statement last week encouraging people to to donate. How much of an issue is it for you guys right now? Well, it's it's certainly a priority for us to to make sure we have everything we need to um, support our players, and that's kind of well, I'll leave it right there. And we we have some folks that are that are uh, that are really helping and doing everything they can, and that's great. Um, and so, you know, we're going to need as much help as we can moving forward. But the great news is, you know, we have great fans who want to support it, and we're going to do make sure we do everything we can to make sure our guys get what's fair. Right next door, Dave Biddle, twenty four seven Sports. Yeah, speaking of one extra thing you have to deal with, I was also going to ask about NIL. Um, how frustrated are you? Uh, and what would you like to say to maybe to the fans and businesses and just boosters and just how frustrated are you compared to maybe some of the other schools out there and what they're doing? Well, I, I just, you know, we're going to need all the help we can get. Um, but that's kind of the way it is across the country right now. And, and the, the great news is we're, we're positioned really, really well in Columbus and with our fan base to, to, do, to do just that. And, um, you know, our team has done very, very well here um, on campus and, and over the last year. They've done great. So. Um, we're going to keep building towards that, and and, um, and and just make sure that everyone knows that this is this is real. We're here, and um, and yeah, certainly going to need their support. Football question: What's the uh, the mental state of the team right now? Is it? Do you feel like it's we got our second chance, and everybody's mentally locked in? Just I, I think the biggest thing I notice is that this time of year, usually you're taking a big exhale and you're kind of catching your breath for finals. Uh, I just feel a, a bit of urgency when we walk on the field. I just feel a little bit of a different look in their eye. Like when we're on the field, we're out there to work. Ryan, how much hope had you actually held out that Jackson might be able to get back in time for 
the playoff. I know it was trending this way for a while. But. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's it was it was frustrating for him mostly. I mean, nobody was more frustrated than Jackson. Nobody wanted to play more than Jackson. I know that. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough this year not having him. Um, you know, we had a lot of the the offense kind of designed around him, and then had to adapt as time went on, um, and hoped we'd get him back. But it just it never quite got to where um, you know he was he was comfortable playing, and then certainly got him reevaluated there um, the last month, and just just got um, you know determined that he wasn't going to be able to make sense for him to go back on the field. Just too much risk there, and um, and it was hard for him. I know it was really hard for Jackson this year to sit around and watch his teammates play and his body not allow him to play. And, um, you know, I think, you know, in a day and age where, you know, you're not going to go out there and give a lot of detail about what the injury is and so many people questioning and asking for him, that wasn't easy for him either. And I think, um, you know, we knew that it wasn't going to be able to play this next month. It was, um, you know, kind of ruled out by the doctors. And, and so they made the decision, just felt like it was time to kind of put it to bed so that he can, get a little peace because it was hard for him this season. Yeah, I know this sounds crazy because of how good he is, but is there any part that's beneficial to you? Like, okay, this is the final decision. He's not coming back. I have a month to prepare everybody. I know you played all season without right. him. But is there any part of that that's, well, we can't even have, there's no thought in your mind that Jackson's part of it? Sure, yeah. I mean, you, you just kind of move on from that and and um, you, know, you plan accordingly, which was what we've done all season. So... Um, you know, we were kind of moving forward without, and then if we did, it was going to be a bonus at, at some point during the season. But, um, but yeah, it, it definitely hurt not having him around for sure. Right next door, Ken Bay, Letterman, Rome. Yeah, uh, just two quickies. Uh, um, did you ever have any interaction <clears throat> with Mike Leach? Did you ever meet him, et cetera? And number two, you just outlined your schedule <laughs> for the next, and not that necessarily a schedule uh, contributed to what he went through uh, at the end there, but. Uh, the workloads you guys all carry, but number, but number one, that that part about Mike. Had you ever met him? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, yes, I met Coach Leach um, a couple times, and certainly have a tremendous amount of respect, and certainly want to um, you know really send prayers and thoughts out to his family and to all those um, you know uh, down at Mississippi State and all the folks that uh, he's coached with and for and the players. Um, you know, it's just you know, sixty-one years old. That's just, um, you know, it really makes you take a deep breath, like you said, and think about um, life in general, you know, because life can move fast and, and there's certainly a lot of th- a lot comes with this profession. But um, to lose him that young, it's just it's a tragedy. And um, and uh, the one thing, I guess, uh, I didn't know him as well as others, is it looked like, you know, he enjoyed his time. You know, he did. And um, it's like he did it his way. And there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, college football is certainly going to be uh, miss Mike Leach. When you're sitting there uh, Saturday night or, and you're watching CJ, you know, it was a good feeling he probably wasn't going to win it, but he was there, you know what I mean, at, at the Heisman. Are, are you proud of, you know, of how far that guy has come? I mean, what, what are the feelings you're feeling? And then number two, you know, people keep asking me, what's his legacy? And I go, well, it had, really hadn't been totally written yet, but what do you think is his – legacy to this point uh, to Ohio State football? Well, I think when you when you take a, a step back um, and you just look at, you know, things in general, the fact that, you know, this will be our third, you know, CFP appearance in four years. Um, CJ was our fifth Heisman Trophy finalist in five years. Um, you know, there's, yeah, certainly there's, there's a lot to be proud of there, um, you know, uh, but 
you know, I think he also would like to win it, you know, and, and that's that's part of it because he's competitive. We're all competitive. But still, uh, that night to me is about recognizing really good players and their seasons. And, and that to me was about uh, that was CJ's night to get recognized again, even though he didn't win it because of the high level of play that he's had over the last two years. And so um, I know he's very, very excited to play in this game. Um, he's given a lot to Ohio State. And, um, you know, certainly that was a great opportunity for me with his family and get recognized for that. But um, he's going to work really hard over the next two and a half weeks to, to play his best football here, um, you know, in the CFP. Right behind him, Doug Lane Reese, Cleveland. Uh, just to double check, are you anticipating that Trevion Henderson will practice and prepare for the Peach Bowl? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll probably give you an update on Trey here, um, you know, probably in the next uh, few days. Um, I don't really have an update on where he is right now, um, you know, as we kind of get off the road. Um, so and it, it's kind of like that with everybody. And uh, I'm not sure exactly when we give an injury update, Jerry, on, on this. We'll have to talk about that. But as I get off the road, we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. And what you had just mentioned um, – Signing day, that's kind of like, for the NFL, that's kind of like the draft, right? And the portal, that's kind of like free agency. And I'm trying to imagine if the NFL had free agency and the draft in the middle of the playoffs. And that would be weird because, like, why would you do that? Why would you jam everything together at the same time? Especially in a world where the 12-team playoff is coming and you're going to be playing playoff games even earlier in December. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I can tell you I've asked myself that question a few times over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. I, I think what happens is because there's so much change that when, when decisions are made to make change, we don't always know what the ramifications are in two or three years out. And the early signing period certainly made a lot of sense for a lot of folks. Um, it certainly saves um, a lot of energy and time in January, but it makes for a hectic December. Um, then with the portal opening up, it certainly made it even um, more hectic. So, uh, you know, as, as time changes and things change and we try to adapt the best we can, um, sometimes we don't always know what the ramifications are of decisions until we get a couple years out and, um, all these happening at once has certainly made December uh, crazy. Just in general, would you <clears throat> do you think it would be beneficial for college football for the teams that are still trying to finish a season to be able to focus on that season and then deal with the next season roster management when the first season is done? I, ideally, yes. I just don't know again what that all means. If you make that shift, how does that change? You know, other things, but. Um, Yes, in, in a perfect world, you'd like to be with your team this time of year for sure. But that's not the way it is, and so those are the rules, and we'll just make it work. Right behind him, Cameron Keith Robinson, the athletic. Ryan, you guys have played a good crop of tight ends times this year. Yep. Georgia's tight ends are probably the best you guys will play. What about them stands out um, that makes them so special? Well, Bowers is, is you know can do so many things. He's very versatile, and, and uh, Darnell's really just a, um, a massive human being who can – just uh, overwhelm you with his size and athleticism. Um, so, you know, I think the first thing is their versatility. Second is their, their uh, physicality. And, you know, anytime you can do multiple things as a receiver, running back, or as a tight end, then you can create mismatches. And I think they, they both do that. Uh, second row right, Bill Landis, Rivals. Right, I want to follow up on, on, on Dallin because when we ask you about him, you talk a lot about ball security. 
Is that something that is an issue in practice when we don't get to see it? Because it hasn't really come up in games, so I'm just kind of wondering how that might impact things. It just seems odd that he had played so well and then wasn't part of the plan on a day where you were missing one of your top guys and the other guy couldn't finish the game. Yeah, no. Um, it, um, the, the ball security is just something we talk about all the time as running backs. It's just the number one thing is when you hand the ball off. they got to do a great job with that. So, um, so, no, that didn't play into the decision at all. How, I guess... He's a young guy who had played well the previous two weeks. How, how did he take probably not being as part of the plan as I'm sure maybe he thought he would be given what your running back situation was going into that game? Yeah, it, it just kind of the way the game went. It just got a little, um, you know, down the stretch, a little more protection. And um, and so, you know, let Tony handle that that part of it. But um, Dallin wants to play, and, and he's going to continue to play. Uh, right behind him, Tony Gurman, Buckeye Hollow. Ryan, we've heard rumors around the country of uh, this recruit getting this much, that recruit getting that much. You were just talking about how it's become the conversation. What does the NCAA do? Like, where where is the NCAA in all of this? Well, that's a that's a that's a deep question that um, I'm not going to jump into right now. Um, but I, I will say there are times where you. Ask that question. What are we doing? Yeah. Um, I'll just leave it at that right now. Got time for just a few more folks. Uh, front row, Joey Kaufman, Columbus Dispatch. Ryan, with this game and the location of the game, it's not a typical neutral site game because it's, I mean, it's an hour and a half from Georgia's campus. What, what are you expecting as far as the crowd and, and contingencies as far as maybe having the silent counts, things like that? Just how do you, how do you see that being a factor in the game? Well, just um, – you know, it's going to be an electric atmosphere and, um, you know, we'll be ready for anything. And that, um, you know, it's a great, it's a great venue for a game. And, and certainly I know it's going to be loud there. So um, I know Ohio State's going to travel very, very well, but we'll also be ready for for a loud environment and just have make sure we have all the tools ready if, if we need them. Uh, second row left, Stephen Means, Cleveland.com. No, this doesn't come off accusatory, so I just have to go for it. Uh, whether it was Jackson, how he he came back, immediately got hurt, and he's right back out, and you're kind of waiting on that. And Travion and Mayan, it felt like every other week it was kind of musical chairs of which one was available. And even Trayvon came out and kind of revealed a little bit of what his injury was. Has there been any discussion on you know, injuries happen, but in evaluating how they were handled in terms of whether players should be able to be available for games or not on a week-by-week -week basis when it feels like a guy like Trey who was playing one week, and then a week later he's back in the booth. And, yeah, vice versa. Yeah, I mean that's that's why we have our professionals, and that's why we have doctors, and um, it's above my pay grade. So, um, you know, I, I kind of stay out of those conversations, and um, you know, I mean, and there, there's different things that um, you know in, in the game of football, you you can be hurt and bruised and bumped, and you work through it. There's other other just injuries that you physically um, you know can't work through, and so. Um, you know that's that's part of football, and that's that's the frustrating part of football. But I certainly let all those old decisions go to the doctors, and and um, and I stick to coaching football. Fourth row middle, Andy Andrews, Buckeye Sports Bulletin. Uh, yes, Georgia has one of the best defenders in the country, defensive tackle Javon Carter. Um, as a play caller, when you're scheming and stuff, obviously without giving too much of the game plan away, how do you kind of? To what extent does it impact your play calling to face a defensive tackle with that sort of presence? Well, he's he's very explosive, very disruptive. Um, he's in the backfield a lot, so you got to know exactly where he is all the time. Um, 
plays really, really hard, plays with good leverage. Um, like you said, one of the best tackles in the, in the country, one of the best football players in the country. And you can see it. He's very, very productive. So uh, it'll be a big challenge for our guys up front, and we'll have to know exactly where he is. And final two questions, uh, or final three questions. Spencer, you got one? Spencer Holbrook, letter in a row. Yeah, kind of going off of that. When you have, when you're trying to get Matthew Jones healthy and then you've got experience with Luke, your tackles are as solid as anybody in the country, but how important is it going to be for you guys to make sure that guard center guard is as on their A game as possible in this game against the front like George? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, certainly you have to, you have to drill it. You have to work it all month. You have to talk about it. You have to give them a plan and, um, you know that'll that'll be a big part of the game for sure. Is is winning the game up front like it always is, but certainly in the interior it's going to be even more amplified. Uh, Clay Hall, WSYX. Coach, you said a few months ago, let's cut to the chase here on NIL. It would take thirteen million dollars to maintain the roster. Where is the Ohio State kitty right now? How far? Or how close to that figure? Right, and and I think that's that's the thing that we're working towards, but it's here. You know, it's not and they're in like you said about the NCAA right now, it's not going anywhere. So, you know, um, you know, embracing it and moving forward and, and having all those things working towards exactly that is is, you know, where we all have to be and where we're going. Um, and so, you know, exa- I don't know exactly where we're at with all that right now, but that's that's the goal. I mean, that has to be it. And, you know, we're all in. And um, again, we got to do everything we can to fight for our players to make sure they have what what they need. And we got to be uh, on the forefront of that. So, um, so that's that's important. And you know, our, our players need to know that we're fighting for them. We are. And the same thing with recruits. And final question, Jeremy Birmingham, uh, Rivals. Uh, Ryan, with all of these fundamental changes happening around the game, and priorities changing for recruits and their families, and the transfer portal, and all mm-hmm. of the tampering, and everything else that's going on. At what point do you have to consider if, if you need to make fundamental wholesale changes to your approach, whether in the transfer portal or on the recruiting trail? When do you, how, how tough is it to sort of balance what you think is right versus what you see happening? I think you figure out, okay, you know, first off, is it an upgrade, you know, on the field? And then, and then there's the culture part of it. And so you just, you know, you kind of look at your roster and figure out what needs to be done. Um, if you feel like you're healthy in one spot, whether with, with, with talent, with culture, then you know you don't need to make a change just to make a change, but if there's a hole in a certain area, you know you got to get it fixed. And how do you do that? Do you get it fixed through high school recruits, or you get it fixed through the portal? Um, and so that those are really the two things you try to identify. You know, do you have enough talent there physically, and then and then where's the culture and where's the fit? Because um, you know somebody who fits at Ohio State maybe doesn't fit it somewhere else, and vice versa. I think it's very very important to understand you know what it means to be a Buckeye, and um, and then just you know the, the culture of the team. You know, understanding what's important here and and how we do things. So, I think you look at those two things, and if it needs to change, then you change it. You know, constantly identifying it and trying to get it better. There is a, a a line in the sand at some point where you have to say, as a program, okay, we've tried to do it the the right way, and now to keep up, this has to happen. In terms of what? Like just just changing the overall philosophy as far as the transfer portal. You've been very very reluctant to dive into the loss it's a clear upgrade. And now you see players willing to move in and out of rosters just for NIL opportunities or tampering that happened with former coaches they used to know or whatever. I mean, is there a moment where where you sit down and say, maybe we need to rethink it? I mean, we, we rethink it all the time. Um, you know, if we had, 
you know, 10 to 12 to 15 guys entering the portal and we had to replace those guys, then certainly we would consider that. But, um, you know, when we're signing 20 uh, high school players every year and we don't have a lot of guys leaving the program, um, there's not a lot of room for that. But we're certainly looking at everybody and, you know, having guys on visit visits and, and things like that. So we're always looking at it to see if it makes sense. But um, to say, you know, we're just going to go recruit 15 transfer guys and bring them in just to say we're bringing in 15 transfer guys. No, we're not going to do that. But every year, maybe maybe you take one, maybe you take five, maybe you take 10. I don't know. We'll have to continually figure that out on a, on a you know, year-to-year basis. But um, to sit here and say, I just think we're going to go out and start recruiting a bunch of guys in the portal philosophically, um, you know, it have to make sense for the roster, which I'm not against. It's just, you know, well, only if we think it's an upgrade and the right fit. Coach, thank you yep. very much. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thank you.